Good to have you, Genevieve. Good, good talking to you. Ditto. Thanks for inviting me on. Our pleasure. It's um, it's been a while, I think, since we last caught up. I remember, was it the faster business session when I came to see you? Yeah, yeah. That oh, and that was that was in the summer, I think. So that was was it? Least, well, was it last yeah, year? Wow. Yeah, last year during the summer. So at least six months. Well, more than six months ago. Yeah. Oh my! How time flies. Oh yeah. dear. Well, I mean, we we met. You came along to one of my workshops last year. I think it was an SEO workshop, and I convinced you to have one of these free faster business reviews, uh, where I come and you know sit and basically chat to you, and you can say, oh, I've got this is what I'm doing, and maybe there's something some areas where I can help but usually actually I think it's if people can just talk to someone else usually they can solve their own problems or come up with other ideas so I mean that's how we how we met and I got to know a little bit more about your business and we've kept in touch actually we got back in touch uh I think I was trying to pitch you on signing up to our club actually (laughs) but but you said actually that's a nice idea Ben nice idea but how about this I'm working on this thing at the moment um which was a project with Nat West called Back Her Business um so that's why I I wanted to talk to you more about that um crowdfunding scheme so we'll come back to that We'll come back to that. Okay. For the people who don't know you, tell them a little bit more about your company and what you do and how you work with people. There are like over a million words in the English language. So a lot of businesses struggle to put the right words together in a way that really speaks to their customers. And that's where I come in. So obviously my name is Genevieve. I am the copywriter behind writability. And I essentially find the right words for businesses to express their brand stories, for their sales copy, for their marketing communications. And I predominantly work with service-based businesses and SMEs to to really tell their full story and and help them sell more, essentially. So why do you think people struggle with words? Well, I think it's just, it's one of those, well, there are two things. It's one of those abilities that I think some people are just naturally better at putting words together than other people. It also comes down to structure. Often, even, you know, great writers, if they don't understand the structure of selling and of persuasion, then it can be quite hard to to put the right paragraphs and put the right sentences and words and messaging behind that um, together. Those are, the, those are the projects I really enjoy working on, actually, because you can see that somebody's got a great product and a great business or a great service, and it's just showing that better to their ideal customer. So you're saying that they're just unable to articulate it as, as yeah. well as you because maybe they just don't understand the best structure because that's not what they do that's not what they practice exactly and there will always be those who just hate writing it's not their forte much like math is not my forte I'm you know give it to an accountant some people love it and are actually really good they just need a, a guiding hand whereas others just oh they just want it off their plate it's not for them you know what? I, I actually love maths but I'm not very good at it but I love <laughs> I love playing with it and doing it so we, we uh, my son's going up to secondary school so so it's getting into sort of interesting maths at the moment I love I love playing Ooh. with it but I don't think I would call myself very good at it. Same with words, really. I mean, I actually like words and I like short, pithy copy, like for ad copy. I kind of like playing and editing with small amounts of copy headlines, really, I guess. But when it comes to writing something, actually putting a structure together, an outline, and then filling in the blanks and putting in that detail, I'm like, no, that's, I I just, my eyes glaze over and it's just all too much. My wife, Lou, she's a copywriter, but she's, it's different to you. She's, She's not really focused on the, the sales and selling side, more about stories, journalistic, magazine style, you know, really coming up with 
um, interesting stories that hopefully have a moral or something interesting or, or, or maybe have linked through to a product sales page, but not focusing on the sort of marketing side of it. It is, it is fascinating. And I, and I personally, when I speak to a lot of businesses, if you give them copy for or they're writing copy for a web page, it tends to come across very formal, overly formal, I, I think. But when you speak to them there and you ask them about their product, maybe you have a uh, an interview with them. It's very informal. They're explaining. The passion comes across. It's very exciting. Uh, and then you get them to write that down and it's, we at Company X deliver Y to, and I'm like, Jesus, come on. It's just dull. I'm bored already at that first bit. And it's the same every single time I see the same thing. I know what it should be like, but I definitely struggle to help them get it that way. I guess my question is in a really sort of roundabout way, why is it that people do that? Why is it that when, when we talk, we're informal, we might show our passion, the, the right things come across often. But when we write it down, everything, all of that goes out the window and we lose that, um, that friendliness, the informality and that passion. I don't know. I think a lot of people think there are like rules in business or like rules in marketing and you can't break them. And we're brought up with a, you know, when we're taught to write at school, it's all very structured and formal. And, you know, this is the right way to use grammar and this is the wrong way to use grammar. And actually in marketing, actually, sometimes it's good to break those rules because that's where your personality does come out. But I think people are we're almost sort of conditioned from an early age to do things correctly instead to the detriment of brand personality coming through. And then interestingly, overlaying on top of that also is um, using the language that your customers use, because in marketing, you're trying to appeal to your ideal customer. And so you have to really speak their language as well. So when you're writing copy for whether it's, you know, a website or a brochure or something and figuring out your brand voice and your tone and the type of language that you use, it's a tussle always between your personality, like the brand's personality and and how you actually talk day to day, like you're talking about. And but then also factoring in. Okay, and what what are the words that are going to resonate with my target customer? Are they going to see themselves in that copy? Are they yeah. are they going to instantly get? Oh yes, that's talking to me. Yeah, so it's fascinating the tussle between those two. Uh, for me, makes copywriting so interesting because it's a constant um, sort of tussle and, and problem solving of trying to find the right messaging. It's, it's the bit I love is the bit you hate. <laughs> <laughs> that's true I, I do love being part of the process but it's not something I enjoy let's put it presently it's a bit like uh, keyword research I know I know it's important but I I don't love the process to, to be frank I'm with you on the keyword research to be fair <laughs> I don't actually know how many people like it but I know there's going to be some people in fact I know Chris uh, our, the colleague I work with he, he does uh, enjoy that side of it so have you have you worked on any interesting projects recently anything that has uh, been, tested you or just something you found interesting well Actually, there was there was one project. It's not so recent anymore, but it's another place where I met you, Ben, and that was at the the Cheltenham Do Action Day. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. So, um, so we were challenged to write a website for uh, an organisation in need, and I think on on the day, developers, so the web developer, the web designer, the content writer, that was me and a project manager would all come together, sit around the table together and literally bash out a website for a charity or that organization in like a matter of hours. That entire process was fascinating because so often I'm just sat in my dining room 
on my laptop and on the phone just you know talking to the designer or the developer and so on but to have everybody around that table at the same time with the client there as well meant that we could get so much done so much faster and everybody was so much more engaged in the process so something that might take normally eight weeks to fulfill we did in eight hours I yeah. just that blew my mind. That entire process was fascinating. And I'd, I'd love to work like that again on other projects. I, I agree with you. And actually, we I took some footage of the day as well. And I haven't got round to putting it together uh, as a little report, just other things have got in the way. But I do promise to do that at some point. But yeah, I found the same thing. I was the project manager on our team, on, on a separate team, but in the same you know, same event. And yeah, we had two developers and one copywriter. And I love that process. It was really nice because you got things done. You made, you were forced, absolutely forced to make decisions quickly. I remember there was, I don't remember exactly what it was, but we would, I was umming and ahhing over whether to do a form integration that would then do something else. Like, no, we're not going <laughs> to do that. Let's do this, 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 and this. If we've got time, then we'll do that. And of course we don't have time. I mean, eight hours is a very short amount of time to develop a whole website. Like you, I love that process. And I wonder, even if you can't build the final website like that, I wonder if that initial idea stage and wireframing stage you could do in a day. So you can get Yay. from nothing all the way through to a decent wireframe with, or in fact, more than a wireframe. You've got a site that's in a good draft stage in a day, because then you've got all those decisions out of the way. Like you say, you know, communicating with people remotely is really good, but it can stretch out time. People have more opportunity to make decisions or change their mind on things, but actually doing something quite quickly like that, everyone together, is, is there energy about it? It's fun. Um, had lots of nice donuts and coffee, so I was happy. No, I, I mean, the, pro the process is really good. And actually, I've, I've been thinking about whether we could develop projects like that and say, look, as a like an incubation stage a catalyst stage of it let's do this in a day I think could be fun yeah I think it, it's, it was an amazing process to be a part of and and normally there's so much back and forth when you're deciding the wireframes and deciding you know the content and what everything yeah. needs to look like there's so much back and forth between the designer and the writer and then can we do that with the developer and blah blah, blah that it just shortens it all down. Then everybody's singing from the same hymn sheet straight away. Yeah. And, um, and also I think that it stops people being pigeonholed too much that I think often that work is passed from one person or one team to another uh, mm. and you miss out on the ideas that other people have. So you may not be a designer, but you'll have ideas on what, what could work in the design and the same with um, a designer might have ideas on on copy just because you're all together yeah. you can spin those ideas really quickly and then obviously it's your you know your responsibility to settle on the copy the designers to settle on the design but yeah I, I think uh, we should uh, we should look at doing that again if not for a commercial project I had, I had good not yeah a lot of fun oh, doing yeah. it um I just <laughs> want to take a quick sponsor break but after I want to talk about the NatWest scheme you're a part of so let's take a break now this episode is sponsored by 34sp.com they offer fast, secure, and managed WordPress hosting for the low price of $9.95 a month. We've moved most of our clients over to 34SP, and I've made full use of their free migration service. It's often a pain to move over a site. There's lots of things to think about, such as setting up the database, backing up and copying over the files, and then testing everything once it's ready. All I need to do with 34SP is provide them with admin access to the WordPress site, and they take care of the rest. They just send me a special preview link. Once it's ready, I check it over and all I need to do is make the DNS changes. It's that easy. So thanks to Kaylee, Alex and the rest of the support team at 34SP, you've saved me days and days of work. 34SP also offer incredibly fast server and page caching, a free SSL certificate, daily backup and managed core and plugin updates so your site is secure, 
A staging area to spin up a copy of a website to make tests safely, no restrictions on bandwidth, a simple control panel, and great UK-based support. So visit 34sp.com to upgrade your WordPress hosting, and when you do, use the code WPINVENTIVE at checkout. That's WPINVENTIVE, all one word, to get your first three months completely free. Thank you to 34SP for sponsoring Something Inventive. So you were part of this scheme uh, run by NetWest called Back Her Business. Just tell me a little bit more about how you got involved, why you got involved. NetWest are trying to encourage more women to start their own businesses. I think it's, I think from their perspective, it's to do with trying to get more gender equality within the, within business generally. And to do that, they've partnered with a crowdfunding platform called Crowdfunder. Through that, they're encouraging women to, to do a crowdfunding scheme to help raise the funds that they might need to invest in their business to get their idea going. But because it's a NetWest scheme, they are also offering to match fund some of the money that you raise. And a friend of mine has done it and um, and I saw her do it. And uh, so she told me all about it. And I thought, well, this right. is a bit of a no brainer. Um, you know, this is a bank giving away money to invest in your business for free. My goodness. <laughs> And at the time, I was really quite early stages still with writability uh, and what that would look like. And so, mm-hmm. um, and so, I was still eligible to to do that particular scheme because there's there's quite okay. a lot of eligibility criteria. You've got to be really early stages with your business. So I yeah, so I just decided to do it and to try and raise a bit more money uh, to invest back into developing products and my services and and working better with clients. But then also, I wanted to do the scheme because aside from the money thing, it was an opportunity to sort of validate my services and validate the packages I wanted to put out there to get a bit more confidence in like my business idea like is this actually going to work how much demand is there for this and then also obviously it's well it's something great to talk about so it sort of helped provide a bit more of a launch platform so that it became just really good content that I could use when trying to really push writability for the first time yeah you reached a goal you succeeded you got you got the money that you wanted um I did which is which is fab you just went a little bit over as well it's 5033 pounds well done that's brilliant how does that work because I saw that part way through you you started off by getting your own getting people to fund you and put some money in for different rewards so we'll talk about that in a second but then at some point Nat West put in some money as well sort of that bumped it up a bit more and then it started moving on from there I guess I want to know is what were you hoping that apart from testing out these ideas how how was this this going to work for you in terms of funding these ideas and also talk to me about the rewards how you came up with the idea and how that would uh, work for people who are funding you so in terms of what I was going to do like why I wanted investment it was because I was so early stages obviously there are always business overheads and in order to to grow my client base a lot faster I really wanted to invest a lot in sort of co-working and networking and 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 getting writability out there and but for for that you need some seed money you need something to start off with so that was sort of the the key motivation for trying to raise funds in the first place and then also to research how to turn some of my services into products the next step on on my business journey that was sort of what i was asking people for and you do need a a, a good narrative for people to buy into remind me of the second question i just want to know about the pledges so you've got these rewards that's how they buy into it really that's how they're giving you money is that they can pledge just a donation of one pound you are then taking some of that money and giving it to charities or supporting charities with your copywriting uh, all the way through yeah. to just buying your services but buying them in advance yes so so essentially um natwest encourages you if you're doing back her business 
they encourage you to give rewards that are related to your business and so that meant that i had to provide rewards that related to copywriting so that mm. meant providing copywriting packages but obviously you know that's hundreds of pounds worth of packages and not everybody in my network you know my mum for instance isn't in the market to buy some copywriting she doesn't even have a business you know so that was never going to work and so in order to appeal to as many people as possible because i'm a service-based business i needed to find a way of making it easy just to ask for somebody to pledge and so if somebody wasn't in the market for copywriting i needed something else and so that's when i introduced a sort of it was a competition essentially but a pledge it forward competition where um if the crowdfunder was successful i was going to donate 15 hours worth of copywriting services to one competition winner so I was encouraging people to put a pound in and to nominate uh, an organization to receive those 15 hours of copywriting. And it was so it was a it was a real sort of feel good way of just encouraging people to pledge just one pound just to be in it, just to get my pledger numbers up, because with the this particular um, backer business scheme, in order to get match funding, there are different levels of match funding. And so the level of I'd chosen, I needed to raise two and a half grand. And then if I raised the two and a half grand, then NatWest would also put in two and a half grand to bring it up to 5,000. But I also had to get a minimum of 50 people to pledge okay right and yeah. that was the difficult bit and yeah. so again that was another reason for bringing in this just like this li little easy feel good one pound pledge because i needed 50 people to do it and i didn't have 50 clients waiting in the wings you know looking to buy copywriting services within you know a matter of weeks and and actually it worked really really well because it became a hook that i could then you know when i was networking or speaking to other businesses if they weren't quite in the market for copywriting just yet but it was sort of on the horizon. I could then introduce it as, oh, well, you know, ha just have a pop. It's only one pound. It's a competition. You know, there are really good odds of winning. And it meant that I could just get those pledger numbers going up and up and up. And yeah, it absolutely worked. So for a service-based business, it was an important tactic to take for me. Obviously, with products, it would be much easier yeah. because you, you could literally just sell your product in advance, much like I was trying to sell my, my copywriting packages in advance as well. And do you think, I mean, this is a, a can be a form of marketing for many product-based businesses. I mean, obviously, there are limitations given that you need to be a, a new business, but the idea of crowdfunding for services do you think that that gives you a different platform in order to market yourself did it help having this behind you you wanted people to get engaged with this funding scheme rather than just talking to you about your services was that helpful as a conversation opener yeah definitely i mean nobody likes being sold to off the bat anyway and also the so all the businesses on on the platform doing it for instance they're all really early stage so they don't necessarily have the funds to get a copywriter in to get a you know a dedicated web designer or something like that and so they were never going to be my ideal clients then they don't have the budget for it just yet but it still meant that i could talk to them about the business it still meant that they i could maybe you know get them to pledge a pound and be part of my journey and it, yeah it was a really really great conversation opener how early stage did you have to be in the business what was the limitations there's various criteria obviously you have to be a woman because <laughs> it's meant for women and i think the turnover threshold was a thousand pounds so it was really really wow, low yeah. yeah really low so i'd heard about this particular campaign um a few months 
prior. And so as soon as I decided it's something that I wanted to do, I basically pushed all of my invoices back. So <laughs> and try to funnel all of my client invoices through the crowdfunder instead. So it meant yeah. that I was, you know, under the threshold. And then as soon as I launched the campaign, I already had people up front ready to pledge because, yeah, I mean, okay. that would be one bit of advice I would give to somebody else looking to do a crowdfunder is to get, it's so important to get a few people up front backing you because then it, it makes your campaign look more credible and then more people are more likely to, to do it. And so having those invoices put through quite early on, whew, that really helped. And uh, that's good in terms of marketing it. Um, obviously, that's a good tip in terms of making sure that you've got some people in at the beginning. So it doesn't look like a, a waste ground. You know, there's no one there like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to put some money into this. You've got a few people that build some confidence. Are there any other tips in terms of marketing this that you could uh, share? It wasn't so much in terms of marketing. Well, I guess it is marketing. The most important thing that I did that I think really helped it to work was that I sat down and I mapped out everybody I'd ever known pretty much <laughs> in my life, whether it was work, whether it was in life, whether, you know, whoever. And I just, I mapped out absolutely everybody in my network, sort of put in place a, just a rough idea of who I was going to approach and how I was going to approach them and at what time I was going to approach them. Well, there are two things. There's a real danger, like in the time frame, that you're going to lose momentum. So if you know, you know, week one, you're going to approach this little group of people and week two, you're going to approach that different audience. You're sort of keeping momentum going. Um, which really helps. And then also the reality is when I look back at all the stats and who actually pledged, I think out of 50 odd people, I think only like two of them were strangers to me. And so everybody else was either a friend of mine or a friend of a friend. Like I could track mm. that person back. I could figure out which, which network they came from or which contact they came from or how they found me. When I did it, the reality was I, I didn't get many strangers. It was all about mapping out that um sort of network and figuring out where your pledges are going to come from in advance i think that's just good advice generally um how are you going to market to start with the network that you you know whether they're customers yeah. or friends or family because they're most likely to want to support you so even if there's nothing they can buy that it might be in terms of contact and they can tell other people um so it's ideal with your pledge you know but you, your mum could buy it buy in for a pound but also she might tell some friends and they might tell some other friends and so actually there's nothing wrong with going out and doing that I mean in terms of um I've always been a bit wary of going out to like my Facebook followers old old school friends but but why really all you're just asking them to do is support you and I think that's what's quite nice about having this vehicle you're just asking for support you're not asking them to say hey you need to buy a website off me or I want you to buy a copywritten article or something like that no it's about supporting you and helping you in this endeavor yeah i mean you're definitely asking people to open their wallet which is something i found quite stark because previously so for instance taking part in awards and things like that and you're you're just asking somebody to vote that's very low commitment but when you're asking somebody to open their wallet even if it's for a pound it is slightly higher commitments and actually i was quite surprised at how icky i felt asking like friends and mm -hmm. family like people who didn't need my services who didn't need copywriting it just felt really icky and awkward asking for a quid yeah. <laughs> even though it's only a quid and even though you know they're, they're my loved ones and they want to support me it's I that was an emotion I didn't think I would feel and I had to sort of just push past it and just do it because this thing is all or nothing like if I didn't hit my target of 50 pledges and two and a half k 
I wasn't getting anything. I wasn't getting any money. And so, yeah, so you just have to put your, you know, your big girl pants on and just do it anyway. <laughs> now, I've, I felt a little bit like that when I did uh, an assault course race thing and reached out to family and clients for uh, a donation. So the money wasn't even going to me. It was going to a nominated charity. And it, even then, I, I felt a little bit like going out to a, a begging bowl because I don't normally do yeah. that. If we're going to give to charity, I'll give to charity. Mm-hmm. I don't expect other people to give to charity or my behalf but actually it was good you know we raised a lot of money and and just like you found that once you've got a few people on board that builds momentum over time anything else to share on on how it went for you uh, tips for people who have who think it looks like it's interesting for them and they want to go for it what would you uh, what would you say to them i would say just just go for it like there's there's no harm in trying there's a really like uh, i think the lowest amount you can get match funding on is i think a thousand pounds so you only need to raise a thousand to then get an extra thousand and it's only you only need 10 pledges that's really like that's a lot easier and a lot more manageable so just do it it's well worth it and even if it doesn't work in the end you will learn so much from the process and have so many great conversations with potential clients i think it's still worth doing anyway and you mentioned to me before we were recording that that you're going on to another stage with natwest afterwards can you talk about that so i've just been accepted onto their accelerator scheme so um before i even did the crowdfunder with them I applied and did their pre-accelerator scheme. So that's that again for really early stage businesses and it just helps you get all of your business plans sort of sorted and validated. And it's and it's a really fascinating course. It's I think it's well worth doing. It's totally free. I think it's meant to be like an eight-week course, but it's online so you can actually do it at your own pace. Um, and there's one face-to-face sort of ignition event that you go to. So for anybody who is quite early stages, or actually even just if you're a bit stuck with your like business strategy and what to do next and what you know with what the hell you're doing it's actually well worth doing it because it just puts all your foundations in place so it's a really useful course but then obviously now I've you know it's a few months later I've got got my business a bit more in place and um and I've got various plans for it in the future and so I applied to the main accelerator scheme and that's more about having a mentor to support you for six months um Mm -hmm. really like kick your backside basically into making things happen and 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 therefore you know making sure that what you are planning is viable and making sure that you actually do do it so yeah so I'm looking forward to the next six months there'll be a lot of hard work but I think it'll do me good yeah it sounds great this episode is sponsored by bombbomb.com whether you're in sales customer success business development or leadership you're probably at your best when you're face to face with someone just like this That's why BombBomb has created a way to quickly and easily send simple personal videos directly from your email inbox. Now, I've always felt at a disadvantage communicating in text, particularly via email. So I've been using BombBomb to send explainer videos alongside my proposals. It's easier for me to explain all the details about a project without it ending up like a wall of text that I know people won't read. Using personal video also allows me to share my personality and enthusiasm, which can be hard to get across with text. So with BombBomb, your emails can feel as warm and personal as a face-to-face meeting, which will help create a better customer experience, increase conversion, and build stronger professional relationships. If you'd like to see examples of how sales, marketing, and customer success professionals are using email videos in their business, then go to vid.us slash something inventive, and you'll be sent 10 video examples from real users You'll also get to hear from Jonathan, who was a guest on my podcast, and he's given me some really good tips when presenting in video, particularly for using these whiteboards and pens. 
Plus, you'll also get a chance to set up a free trial of the software yourself. So visit vid.us slash somethinginventive to get 10 video examples from real users. Thank you for BombBomb for sponsoring Something Inventive. So you, you emailed me recently replying back to our newsletter where we were talking about community. And I think I had a, a short paragraph at the top saying that I felt and I actually been feeling that some people were moving back from this sort of mass social media back to uh, smaller communities. And you replied saying, actually, you'd started, you'd reinvigorated your Floss and Mischief website. We'll come back and you can explain what that is in a minute. To uh, or reinvigorated the newsletter list. And you've had some good success with it. So first, maybe explain what Floss and Mischief was and is, and then what you're doing with the the small community you had around that. Sure. Well, um, okay, so for years, I owned a needlework company called Loss of mischief, but then at some point, um, I just I basically I stopped enjoying needlework as like as a business, and so early last year I relegated it to being just you know just being my hobby again. But then because I wasn't working on that anymore, sort of loss of mischief no longer existed in the same way. It was no longer running as a business mm. in the same way. I just hated the fact that I had this lovely mailing list that I built up over years, just you know of fans just sat there not doing anything at all. You know, these are my people. These are these are stitchers who love needlework like me. And I wasn't I wasn't talking to them anymore. And I really, really hated it. It really sat badly with me. But I didn't have anything to say anymore because, well, I wasn't doing anything with the business. So at that point, I decided to sort of revive the mailing list and to turn it into like a more of like a fan letter, but like fangirling over needlework. And by needlework, yeah. I mean cross stitch and I mean embroidery and I need needle points. They're all sort of hand stitching. In January, at the start of the year, I revived the mailing list. I sent out a new email basically going, hi, you haven't heard from me for like months on end. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, this is the situation you know Blossom Mischief is essentially sort of closed however I then proposed emailing everybody emailing that fan base twice a month almost like a it's, it's like a curated themed shopping list of needlework patterns so that so that if I'm not producing any new patterns that's fine but maybe I can inspire those stitches with mm. their next project you know from another designer and so it's been roughly, what, three months now that I've been sending these, I call them pattern picks, these shopping lists. And it's just, yeah, it's really changed the nature of that email and changed sort of how I feel about it as well. I think it's changed it for the reader and it's changed it for me too. Since sending it out, as soon as I um, announced that I was going to change the content of those emails and what I was doing next and about these pattern picks, the subscribers went up by about 36%, which completely shocked me because it had been such a long time since I'd emailed everybody. I, I didn't, you know, I thought everyone had forgotten me. Um, so that was good. And then so all the emails I've sent since, all of the pattern picks that have gone out, they've averaged an open rate of about 62%, which I'm mm, really thrilled high. with. And also, and the click rate, I think, is something like 16, um, 14% or something like that. Um, but certainly they're better stats than I ever used to have before when it was just, you know, a marketing newsletter generally. So it just, it really goes to show that just showing up and serving your community is a great thing. And people, people love being part of that, you know, little secret community that gets the inside loop on, you know, whatever's new on the market. I enjoy those sort of newsletters in my world, marketing and technology. I enjoy when people are sharing things they found because on social media you can miss a lot of that it, it's all lumped in together with chat and other things and people ranting about this that and the other 
actually sometimes it's nice to have a feed of information from someone you trust um, whatever that niche is that you rely on and it comes through on a regular basis you look forward to maybe yeah I really like that and I, I think that's what what we were talking about in, in our newsletter is about those communities and it's, it's good that you've you've been able to uh, reinvent that. But also mm. I think a lot of people might be able to use the same sort of idea for their business. You know, even if they've got some commercial aspect to it, honing down on providing that interesting, useful information that you share a passion with, and it's very not not salesy, you're just providing information. It might be that some of that information then is you can sell. Like your patterns, event, you, you may start wanting to sell some patterns again and you, you can still do that at a later stage. But I think the idea of, sharing that passion and information with people rather than hey buy this hey buy this constantly sending through the sales message i think is a good idea there's definitely so, a lot of power in being a trusted advisor a question i ask a lot of people at the end of the podcast is can they recommend a tool app book podcast film bit of music they love and actually um you've got one that you want to share which is a new a, a newsletter list it is well and it's directly related to just what we were talking about about um you know great emails that just give loads of information and you look forward to opening it every week or every month or whatever and there's a great one from women who um so if you go to womenwho.co and you can sign up for the roundup email there and it's just um they do a fantastic job of just uh, it's usually made up of maybe like five or six uh, links to really interesting articles, but it's definitely, it's one that I, as you know, as a woman in business, it's one that I look forward to opening and reading every single time it arrives. In fact, it's probably one of the only emails I actually look out for. So maybe it's worth subscribing if you want to see what a good email newsletter looks like, because they, they are out there. There's a lot of uh, newsletters that are good and you do look forward to them. So definitely good advice there. I, I may even subscribe myself, at least at least to see what uh, how good it is. They've got podcasts as well. Excellent. I love yeah. them already. That's brilliant. Thank you very much, Genevieve. What, um, where can people find you online if they want to get in touch, if they need some help with copy, sales copy, they just want to, they just want your brain to help them with those words. Where can they find you? They can find me at writability.co.uk or can email me at hello at writability.co.uk. Brilliant. Um, people can find me. I'm at Ben Kinnaird on Twitter. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's just the same name. Just find me there. Or email, if you prefer that, hello at ratherinventive.com. Find the show notes for this particular episode on ratherinventive.com slash podcast. And while you're there, do subscribe to our YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. However you want to get your podcast, make sure you subscribe to that so you get the next episode when it's available. And if you want to support this podcast, uh, the best thing you can do, I think, is rate us on Apple Podcasts. So if you're using the Apple Podcasts app, do go along there. And as long as you've enjoyed the episode, give us a rating because then more people will find it and the show will grow. Do check out our sponsors um, or join our marketing club. More details at ratherinventive.com if you want to find out about more about marketing and the help and support we can provide. Thank you very much, Genevieve. It's been really good catching up with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope it's been useful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is. It's, it's good to find out more about that scheme. And thank you to everyone else for listening. Dick it, 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 d